Hey everyone, hope all of you who are in quarantine are doing okay and everybody is enjoying some downtime. Hope everybody is healthy and safe and like I said, uh, hopefully taking advantage of maybe some extra time and maybe something you were putting off that was uh, that was taking you a long time to get done. Maybe you get something done. Maybe it's chores around the house. I can tell you one thing. We haven't seen any hockey. We have seen a lot of replays of some old hockey games, some games on NBC Sports that they've been showing over the past couple of days, some classics, which is always nice to, to see, but obviously missing some live hockey. Uh, all of us would, would definitely have that back if we could, but uh, appreciate you tuning in here to the Pucktown Podcast for another week. Been a little bit weird uh, not seeing everybody in the office, the front office staff with the Stingrays so close and we have not been able to see each other so missing the rest of uh, everybody in the front office but we're still working hard on preparing for next season starting to get everything together it's a a longer off season than we're used to this year but that just gives us some extra time to focus on some of the really exciting things that we're going to have for next year another year of stingrays hockey coming soon in the fall One of my goals when I started the podcast a couple months ago was to try to catch up with some of the older players, some fan favorites from years past who, you know, really had kind of lost touch a little bit as far as myself, but, you know, not seeing them be interviewed when guys are with the Stingrays, you know, and you're in it. uh, Obviously, fans can hear from from these guys all the time and a lot of them, you know, finish playing their careers and maybe they go into coaching and they still do a lot of interviews. You still hear from people, but. You know, there are some players who, who retire and you don't hear from them for a while. So wanted to try to catch up with some of those older guys. This guy not too, too older, but was definitely in a former era of the South Carolina Stingrays. So happy that Nate Kaiser agreed to join us. A guy who played seven years with the Stingrays, then finished his hockey career and changed sports. Almost, you know, you never see that. But changing sports to MMA, and he had a bunch of fights in MMA, watched a few of those to prepare for the interview. He is a tough guy. I know everybody who watched Nate play hockey knew he was tough, and then he affirmed that even more when when he got into the cage. So uh, really cool to kind of prep for that and and talk with Nate a little bit. Uh, Really gracious with his time. Has a couple young kids at home, and they are quarantining and and staying safe just like everybody else. So it was great to, to catch up with Nate and uh, hear a little bit of some stories from from some of the older ages of of guys who played from the Stingrays and won that championship in the 2009 season. And we started off talking more MMA than even hockey, but we brought it back to hockey and got some great memories uh, from Nate as well. We appreciate all of his time. My guest for episode 14 here of the Pucktown Podcast, Nate Kaiser. Joined now on the Pucktown Podcast by former South Carolina Stingray Nate Kaiser. Goes by Nasty Nate is, is, what, uh, is what I've been told. And uh, Nate, thanks so much for, for joining us. I hope all is well with, with you and your family right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we're, we're all doing good. We're, uh, we're all in the same boat, obviously, with what's going on in the world today. But uh, yeah, everything's all good on our end. You got a couple kids now in the family, right? Yeah, I've got two boys. My uh, my oldest son Jackson will be four in uh, June, and then my youngest uh, Xavier just turned one on Friday. So um, yeah, we're right in the middle of it. It flies by, that is for sure. Um, but they're they're a trip. They're 
It's so much fun, and uh, they make life interesting for mom and dad every day, that's for sure. They keep us on our toes. It sounds like, uh, you know, with them being pretty young, your daily uh, routine with them hasn't changed too much. Has anything changed over the last couple of weeks with you guys trying to, to stay safe and with everything going on with the virus? Uh, yeah, obviously we're, we're, um, we're doing the same as everybody else as far as social distancing goes. Um, my wife is uh, a big germaphobe, especially now with everything that's going on. Uh, the biggest difference is my oldest son, Jackson, he goes to school three days a week, and obviously uh, school has been postponed at least until mid-April as of right now. So my wife, Jessica, she's definitely got the toughest job in the world. Uh, you know, she's at home with both boys all day. Um, so as any parent knows, that, that can be pretty taxing, and the days can be pretty long, um, especially when... When, when you've got a child that's used to being in school uh, that is no longer in school. So uh, I think everybody goes a little bit stir-crazy, but she does a great job of keeping the boys busy, and, uh, and there's a lot of stuff to do around here. So, um, yeah, we're, we're making the best of it for sure, and I, I think it's great that we get to spend more family time with, with one another too as well. So the weather's been beautiful. We've been able to get outside and, and make the best out of it for sure. Absolutely. Well, glad everybody is, is doing okay. I don't know when the last time uh, you did any any Stingrays-related interview, but I know you, you finished up your career and then started a, a different career in, in the MMA world. What was it like transitioning from, from one sports career to another, and, and why did you decide to, to take that up? Uh, I'll answer your second question first. So I was always a huge fan of MMA, even while while I was playing hockey, uh, had a, a ton of respect for the guys that did it, uh, always followed it very closely. And obviously it was just something that I'd never really given a serious thought to because hockey at that time was my career and that's what I was focused on. But it kind of always was in the back of my mind. And about six months after I was done playing hockey, I still found myself going to the gym every day and working out. Uh, it's just kind of a lifestyle thing for me. And um, I just said, I really want to give this a shot. I'm fully committed to doing whatever I have to do. I, I know I have no background in any of this. And um, long conversation with my wife, a lot of long conversations with my wife. She was, she was, uh, she was cool with me training. She thought that was great. Kind of got that competitive edge uh, that I was looking for, but I wanted to actually fight. And it was very difficult for her to, to finally get on board with that. I don't know if she ever was very fully on board. It was, it was difficult for her to watch me fight. I fought eight times. Uh, the first time it was just, okay, Nate, I'm agreeing to let you do this one time. Um, and then it turned into eight. Um, and it's, it, you know, we ended up having our first son Jackson and that's when I retired. I gave my wife my word that I would no longer fight once we had children because it just, it, it would take away from too much family time and I want to be there for my kids. And, uh, being dad is way more important than getting punched in the face, but yeah, fell in love with the sport, not to keep going on about it. Um, uh, and it's, it's, still my passion to this day i still enjoy training i still get to train uh not as much as i used to when i was fighting full-time but um yeah i love it absolutely and and i guess the the second part there uh what was it like trying to transition once you made that decision uh and like you said you didn't really have a lot of experience other than just loving the sport what was it like to, to try to learn some of the moves and and really get it get into it to get ready for a fight yeah, it was very difficult. So I trained for well over a year prior to my first fight, um, and I trained virtually every day. Um, I, I mean, having no background, I had no wrestling experience, I had no jiu-jitsu, um, no kickboxing, nothing. So, you know, a hockey fight 
is basically two guys, uh, and there are different techniques and strategy involved, but ultimately it's a punch in the face contest where you just grab onto each other and punch each other in the face until either the referees come in or, or somebody goes down. Um, where MMA is, is so much different, obviously just the, from a cardio aspect, uh, if you're fighting as an amateur, it's typically three three-minute rounds. If you're fighting as a professional, it's three five-minute rounds unless it's a title fight, then it's five five-minute rounds. Um, so, you know, there's just so many different aspects, and I had to start from the ground up and train uh, train every aspect, uh, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, um, you know, kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai. Uh, you had to work all of these different uh, disciplines, and, and then you had to implement them into your game, and um, yeah, it was difficult. It was uh, a lot of humbling experiences in the gym uh, every single day. Um, I found myself just being humble, and I'm a humble guy to begin with. I'm I'm all about learning. I don't mind, you know, if I get caught in a submission, I have no problem tapping. Uh, once once that's over with, I got to figure out where I made my mistake and kind of correct it from there. But yeah, it's a whole different world for sure. What was it like to to get your first victory? I kind of watched some of the some of the fights on YouTube, just trying to check it out, see what see what it was like. And what was it like uh, getting that first victory? It looked like you were pretty pumped up. Yeah, so I lost my first fight. Um, I lost the decision uh, to a guy I've actually become buddies with, and that's happened with a few of my opponents. Uh, kind of like a hockey fight. Um, and so after I lost uh, my first fight, went back to the drawing board. We figured out kind of where I made my mistakes and my errors. And uh, I think my whole approach to that first fight was uh, different. I, I went in there with kind of a, um, uh, let me plant my feet and throw punches because that's what I felt comfortable doing. And then, uh, you know, I fought a guy who was 4-0 and a really good wrestling jiu-jitsu guy. And he just, uh, he, he saw those punches come in, dropped his level and took me down. Uh, so that was the story of that first fight, it, it happened over and over again for three rounds. The second fight I went in there, um, a lot more loose and, and loose in the, the aspect of I had never even been to an MMA event prior to my first fight. So my first fight was actually my first MMA event that I had went to. So everybody says you kind of have to uh, experience the first one for yourself, and I think that was the case. The second one, I, I knew what I was going into. Um, just as far as the whole day was concerned with the weight cut, rehydrating, um, warming up for the fight, and then just being in the right mental frame prior to the fight as far as just not being over-amped, just staying calm and relaxed and relying on the stuff that we had trained on. So the first victory was great. Uh, the after party was unbelievable, too, as well. I was always so fortunate. I had a huge following. A lot of them were were fans that had carried over from hockey. Uh, and a lot of my, my, my good friends that I played hockey with, Matt Shear, Johan Cole, uh, Scott Rompel, those guys, those guys were in my corner every single time. Uh, I, I think they looked forward to fight days more than anybody because they had their own routine uh, for each one of the fights. And um, may or may not have involved a couple of alcoholic beverages, but everybody had a great time. Everybody was super supportive. Whether I won or lost, it was, uh, it was always, always fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, if if that was kind of true with the fan support. Uh, what was that like to to see some of those fans that you had seen in a hockey rink uh, make that transition with you and, and continue to support you? I'm sure that was a was pretty cool to see as oh, that was going on. It, it was amazing. The, uh, the the people in the fans here in Charleston they they are so supportive of of the, all the guys after their careers, post careers. It doesn't matter if you're fighting or if you're doing something else. It really doesn't matter that. 
the fans have always been so great to me and my family. Uh, this community has been so awesome. Um, Nancy Sullivan is, uh, is a huge part of, uh, the hockey community here. And, uh, she was always a huge part of my fights. I don't know if there was anybody louder than her at each one of my fights. Uh, and she would, after every fight, win or lose, she would make me a cheesecake, bring it to my house the next day. Uh, it didn't matter if, uh, if my face was all black and blue and I could barely walk or, uh, if, if I happened to get my hand raised the night before and that was all good, she, she would make me a cheesecake and, uh, and, and drive it over to my house. That was always the one thing that I looked forward to, especially after a big weight cut. That That's never fun. So, um, yeah, the, the support that I got from everybody was incredible. Without question, I think regardless of what event we were at, it was always out of town. Uh, the support that I had was way louder than anybody, even the local fighters. Um, they would get the nasty Nate chance going, um, and it, it was awesome. That's great. That's a great. That's great stuff. Uh, now I want to get a couple more memories from you from hockey. Yeah. So I, I guess you know, bringing it all the way back to to when you were first starting your pro career. How did you become a Stingray? You began your career, had had a season with Dayton. How did it come about to for you to come to Charleston? Yeah, so I had uh, signed an American Hockey League ECHL contract with uh, Portland at the time, um, and I believe that may have been may have been the NHL lockout year. I can't recall offhand. So I started the year off in Portland, and their roster was pretty deep as far as defensemen were going. So uh, their affiliate was here in, in Charleston, and I got sent down. I think it was two days before Thanksgiving. Um, it was There were three feet of snow up in Portland. Uh, I wasn't playing. I dressed for warm-ups and then not be in the lineup. I, I played a handful of games. Um, so I definitely wanted to play. And uh, the coach had, had uh, called me in after practice one day and said that I was coming down to Charleston. And I was like, where is Charleston at? I didn't realize that uh, South Carolina even had a hockey team. Um, so me and my wife made the long journey from Portland, Maine to Charleston, South Carolina. I arrived, uh, I think I arrived in the parking lot around 4 o'clock the day of the game um, with a big U-Haul and all of our stuff in it. Jason Fitzsimmons, who was the coach at the time, he, uh, he had helped me and my wife go to our apartment, unload everything, and then next thing you know, I was at the rink. We played that night, and then we went on the road. So, um, yeah, that's just how it goes with hockey. Sometimes uh, it, things happen pretty quickly, and you find yourself down here. But um, didn't know much about Charleston at all. Didn't know that there was really hockey here in the South, other than Charlotte, because I had played down there before. Um, and just we fell in love with Charleston right away. It was uh, – you're so close to the beach. The, the people are incredible. Um, yeah, there's there's no downside to playing hockey down here. That is for sure. Yeah, and you became obviously ingrained uh, with the team. You really never never really left. What was what kept you coming back? Why did you uh, Why did you love it? I mean, you gave a couple reasons right there. Obviously, the weather and some of the beach, but but around the team, uh, what kept you coming back every year? I, I think just big picture. Me and my wife pictured this place as some place that we wanted to uh, make our permanent residence. Um, and then raise a family down here too, as well. Uh, it doesn't take long for for you to get that that southern hospitality and that home like feeling down here. Um, that's why you see so many guys that have played for this team and this organization make this home uh, post career. I mean, I don't know if how many other organizations have this many guys that have stuck around this community 
as much as as much as uh, the South Carolina Stingrays have. So, um, it's just so many different things: uh, the the weather, um, the people. Uh, obviously, the fans are so incredible here. Uh, the the ownership group, um, amazing, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zucker, um, all that they do for this community and and for this team, especially when I was playing for them. I know there's been a little bit of an ownership change since I've retired, but um, there's just so many different aspects. The coaching. Uh, the coaches that I had played for, everybody kind of wanted to help you out in any way that they can, uh, even post-career. You were able to reach that ultimate goal that, that you want is to win a championship. Last year, you, you had the 10-year anniversary of, uh, of, of the last title that the Stingrays won in, in 2009. Uh, I'm sure that was pretty cool. Kind of coming back, there was a, we had a little ceremony there, but how are you still in touch with, with some of the guys? I know you mentioned some of those guys before uh, that were that were cheering you on when you made the, the change into MMA, but are you still in touch with a lot of the guys from, from that championship team? Uh, yeah, obviously the guys that are still here locally, um, you know, they're my best friends. They're my brothers. We, we all have kids now. So, you know, we, uh, we try to get together as much as possible. We used to get prior to kids. We all used to get together every single weekend, but now we're on different schedules, but, uh, yeah, a lot of the other guys just through social media, uh, just because everybody kind of has went their own direction and, and life has taken us all in different directions. Um, you know, guys have moved back home, uh, all over the place. So social media has been great for that just because you can keep up with, with guys that you used to play with and even play against and you can see what they're up to now, see their families. And, uh, so yeah, uh, I think that, that championship team that, that year will always have us, um, have us bonded together. So, uh, what an incredible experience, especially doing that on the road in Alaska, um, pretty special group of guys that we had. And, you know, I was looking back, and I think I looked at this a, a few times before, but, you know, you guys won the title in 09, obviously, but the year before was your best regular season, 07, 08. You guys won 47 games that year, and you made a lo- another long run in the playoffs that year. What do you remember about the, the year before? Because it was obviously a, a pretty good team that you guys had even going into that championship year. Yeah, we had a, a really good team and a really good run at it. I think that... If I'm not mistaken, that may have been the year that did we run into Cincinnati and lose yeah. to them, and they end up in the championship. Yep. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a hard fought series. Um, yeah. Two really good teams. We we definitely felt like we had enough, especially during the regular season, to really make a serious run at it. Uh, unfortunately, we came up short. I think that that helped us out tremendously for the following year when we did win it just because we all had that experience but we also had that taste in our mouth from losing the year before so um yeah it's so difficult to win a championship uh there's just so many things that have to come into place you you obviously you've got to you've got to have luck on your side um guys have got to stay healthy it's difficult to do that especially when you have a really long season and then you got to factor in all the transactions too as well because uh AHL teams tend to load up their rosters prior to uh, prior to playoffs too as well. So those guys that are on contracts with American League teams, sometimes you lose those guys, and those guys are usually big portions of your roster too. So there's a lot of things that got to come into play. And uh, yeah, looking back, just to be able to do what we did uh, and how we did it, uh, especially coming back from Game Six, a tough Game Six loss in Alaska, um, a tough. I think it was a double overtime loss in game five in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you've got to make that long trip to Alaska. So 
Yeah, we had a we had a lot of uh, resiliency on our team, and obviously our coaching was incredible. Uh, Jared Bednar, who's um, I think one of the best coaches in the NHL right now, and will one day win a Stanley Cup. Um, man, that guy he does not panic whatsoever. So uh, having that leadership and Kill McLean was our assistant coach that year. Um, those guys were incredible. Overall, seven seven seasons in South Carolina. Uh, your third in all-time games played in franchise history. What does it feel like to kind of be cemented in the franchise history like that uh, and kind of be synonymous with the Stingrays for so long after playing here for so long? Uh, it, it's a huge honor uh, to, to have played for this team and for this city for as long as I did. Um, uh, definitely not something I, I think it's just, it feels like a lifetime ago, but um, – it's it's just a huge honor and a privilege, and I, I took great pride in um, putting that jersey on every single night. And at the time, I was uh, I was living here full time as well. Me and my wife had purchased a house, and um, we now live in Mount Pleasant, but we used to live in Hanahan. And when they would announce me if I was starting for the game, they announced me as from Hanahan, South Carolina. So that was always pretty cool. Um, yeah, just it, it's this organization has done so much uh, for me and help me moving forward in my life and the fact that we've had the opportunity to make Charleston our house, our home and, uh, and raise our boys, Jackson and David down here is, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything in the world, the way that my career turned out. I wouldn't change anything. I have no regrets. Any, uh, favorite teammates or guys that you played with, uh, from your time that, that were just maybe fun to be around or, or guys that you remember just having a good time with when you played? Oh, man, there's so many of these guys. Uh, me and Matt Shear, we sat next to each other, I think, for five seasons. And uh, he uh, he's obviously one of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, I've played with quite a few beauties, too, as well. Um, so Shearzy was uh, was great. Um, I, I mean, just to pick one or two guys would be unfair. Kale <laughs> McLean was a very close friend of mine, and he ended up being my coach. Um, there were so many guys. I mean, that hockey's hockey's a sport where rarely you come across guys that that you don't like usually hockey guys are pretty good guys i mean you get the odd just like any other field or any other factor of life you get the odd guy that doesn't quite fit in or just a little bit different but hockey guys for the most part usually all really good guys solid guys um all a little bit different uh it's you know especially the goalies they probably got a few screws loose but um yeah i mean there's so many guys that that I played with that I had so many good memories with. And, uh, and, and they're, they're your brothers at the end of the day because you spend so much time with them uh, traveling on the road, on the bus. Um, you know, essentially you're spending more time with them than you are with your family during the season. So, yeah, a lot of great relationships and bonds. Anything uh, that you miss now or you missed when your career ended that uh, you look back on and you're like, wow, I missed the – uh, I'm sure it's probably not the the practice days or anything like that, but you know, what are some of those? And maybe it is some of the those guys that you just spoke about that you had such great relationships with. Uh, what what do you kind of look back on that you miss the most? You know, I think uh, when I think when you talk with hockey players when they're done, it's not always the they miss playing hockey. With with me, it wasn't that. You know, I was fortunate enough to find MMA when I retired from hockey. So that kind of took over my, uh, my passion and stuff. I think the biggest thing you just miss is being around the guys. Uh, and I think majority of players would agree with that when their career is done. You just miss being around the guys because, you know, I started playing hockey when I was four years old. So you're always around that group of guys or a group of guys. And, and, you know, 
whether you're in the hotel, on the bus, on an airplane, um, going out for dinners, uh, that's the stuff that you miss. It's not, it's not necessarily playing hockey or, you know, playing 70, however many games it is each year and, and doing that grind in the playoffs. It's just being around the guys and your boys and, and having fun and laughing and going to war with each other and, uh, and for each other. And I think that was the biggest thing that you miss. You still uh, follow the team, the team at all? Do you? How much game do you? Do games do you start try to come to? You know uh, what? Uh, gosh, so we have two young boys, so it's it's difficult right. uh, to make it to games. Just when uh, when you're a parent, you're relying heavily on that schedule. So my son does. Uh, my oldest son Jackson does love going when we do go. Um, I don't think he he quite understands that Daddy used to do that. Uh, although I wasn't very good, and those guys that play now are a lot better than I was. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't think he, he quite gets it. Maybe when he gets a little bit older. But, um, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. I know a couple of years, I think they had back-to-back runs at the Kelly Cup uh, finals a few years back. And we were, uh, all the guys that lived here locally were there every single night uh, cheering on the team. So uh, during the regular season, tough for us to make it. Playoffs, we try to make it and show as much support as we can um, every home game. So, uh, it's you know, it's it's obviously a very sad ending to the season because the team was was doing so well this year it's, it's sad for all of them it's, it's sad for all the guys who don't get to play anymore it's sad for guys who this may be their last year and this is how their career ends um but you know as a whole we're all in the same boat together uh it's, it's just a crazy time in the world but uh we're all fighting the same fight at this point Thanks so much, uh, Nate. We I wanted to ask you one more thing before we let you go. This is kind of yeah, off man. the wall random, but I uh, was looking back at some old videos uh, in, in preparation here, and it, it does look like you know one of the fan favorites from our team last year actually was uh, was Josh Gratton when he came over here, and it looks like you fought him way back uh, a long time ago. Do you remember anything about that? And uh, did you did you see did it, did it turn your head when when you might have seen that that Josh Gratton joined the Stingrays last year at all? Yeah, no, I think that's Josh is, uh, so I don't know Josh personally. I played against him in the OHL. Um, from what I understand, he's a great guy. Um, follow him on social media. Uh, he's a family guy. He is as tough as they come. Uh, playing against him in the OHL, he was always one of the toughest guys in the league. Obviously, he's made a career. He's had a great career. Um, I was excited to see that he came to Charleston. I was a little bummed that I never got to, uh, uh, got to meet up with him just to, you know, he's obviously busy. He's got his own family and I've got my, right. my family going to as well. Would have liked to, uh, caught up with him, but, um, yeah, super tough guy. Uh, we fought, we fought each other once in training camp in Traverse city. He definitely got the better of me. I remember him catching me. We were just kind of throwing and going toe to toe. He caught me with one and, and I dropped and, uh, but super respectful guy. I remember talking with him after the game and, uh, both just hey you know that's that's our job that's what we did and um but yeah i would have liked to have uh been able to meet up with him on a personal level because uh i've heard nothing but great things and uh, i was excited to see him come here knew the fans would love him and his style of play so hopefully uh hopefully he enjoyed his time here in charleston uh, and his family did too as well yeah i know i definitely know they did which was uh it was great having him here when we did and uh yeah it was awesome to to hear some stories from you and catch up with you. I really appreciate you uh, giving us some time here for the podcast, and uh, we wish you and your family the best moving forward. Thanks, man. Stay safe and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy your off season, and hopefully you guys can pick up where you guys left off this year next year.
a guy who is still high up on the list of all-time Stingrays games played, number three in all-time games for South Carolina, Nate Kaiser. Thanks again to him for joining us on the Pucktown podcast. Got to learn a little bit more about some of those Stingrays teams that he was a leader of. And really, you know, what you hear from everybody is how great the coaching has always been. And I think, you know, just another person that echoed, you know, thinking about playing for Jason Fitzsimmons, Jared Bednar, Kale McLean. What a group of coaches that we've had here in South Carolina. And obviously that was something that stuck out for Nate. He mentioned it a few times in the interview is just, you know, what he learned and how lucky he was to have that coaching staff around him during his playing years. Appreciate all the suggestions I've gotten. Uh, recently heard from some people who wanted some doctors on. We are going to try to get some Stingrays doctors on the podcast, uh, but they are a little bit busy. So we'll, we'll we'll hopefully, when things settle down, we'll get to talk to some of the medical staff that has really been with this team for a long time. I'm sure they have some great stories, a lot of different years and a lot of different memories and, and games that they've covered, players that they've taken care of for us, and we really appreciate those guys for for everything they do both whether it's hockey related or you know taking care of of us in other ways and and you look at all the doctors right now and all of the medical personnel who are spending a lot of time in the hospital a lot of time you know looking at people and, and making sure that everybody stays safe or doing the best that they can but there's a lot of hours they're putting themselves in danger sometimes you know exposing themselves to this virus and we really appreciate everybody who has stepped up uh, for the good of, of the rest of the community and has uh, helped taking care of everybody during this time that's it for this edition of the Pucktown podcast we'll be back next week with another guest looking forward to it as always until then have a great one everybody